Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Hey, uh, we're excited because in just a couple weeks, we're going to be doing this thing not only live on the internet, but also in person with some of you in the room. Uh, September 11th, check that out. There's details in this episode about that. Um, This week on our episode, we actually did a deep dive into a whole bunch of um, things going on in our community. We announced on Sunday that we're going to stay at one service. We're going to talk about why we did that. Um, We're going to talk about the very counterintuitive reality that uh, we want to be an invitational church, and yet we're this whole one service thing almost seems counterintuitive to that. We also ask an incredible question about what our dreams and hopes are as a church leadership about how much of our attention goes to outreach versus how much of our attention goes to discipleship internally for our current church members. Anyway, we're going to talk about all this. So without any further ado, let's dive right in. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. We're in a deep theological conversation <laughs> already, and you missed it. Yeah. And we're not telling you what it was. And we got it's a to secret. 11, and we were like, why is it 11 o'clock? Time yeah. to go. Time There's to go. so many people are ready to go live with us because this is a live podcast. Yeah, and but it's still 11, live, so we're not late. But it's not as live as the podcast we're doing on September. Which is why I'm saying live in person. I feel like that clarifies live it. Live and in person. Live and in person. Although I did have someone... Uh, Someone from Minnesota say, oh, I was so excited for this. And then I found out it was in Colorado. <laughs> and I was like, well, we are st- always online. So yeah. <laughs> you can still join our live in-person yeah. event, not in person. Yes. Yeah. Is that confusing? I, I think so. It's, uh, I'm we, could, we could go and do the podcast in Minnesota if someone wanted to cover the cost of that. Let's do it. Yeah. Do you think we have enough listeners in Minnesota? No. no. We might have three very rich. We might have three. <laughs> my parents and um, and this other person. Uh, actually, I don't even think my parents listen most of the time. <laughs> my parents definitely don't listen. Uh, they are, they listen they are, to your sermons, though, right? Sometimes, sometimes, vaguely. It's like <laughs> I don't think so. Are you still doing that preaching thing? Like, How's that working out for you? <laughs> you were never very good when you were here. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, I was I was asked to go do this like seminar training the other day, and they said, "How much do you charge for stuff like this?" Uh, <laughs> really have a set price? Like, if I like the organization, how, how much, much do you have? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's such a great question. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'm like, what did you always, budget for? Because that's what I charge. It's I always a tension. You're always like, well, if I like the organization, I'm actually quite happy to do it for free. <laughs> if, if I, uh, you just publish that yeah, on the internet. If I don't like the organization. So now, Almost if he ever nothing. asked you, if he ever asked for a, 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 some sort of compensation, you know he doesn't like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so, mm. the, yeah. The good news is Alex has also stopped taking uh, salary here because he likes us so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The bad news is I had to sell my house and my family. And yeah, he's like probably not going to survive very long. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. It's probably so. Anyway. That, that, yeah, what a delightful conversation. I feel like this is even more haphazard than usual. It does feel that way because usually it's just... Like, usually we're talking about something unrelated and at least, like, it's one conversation. Yeah. Now we've started in five different directions. Mm-hmm. Yes, join us two weeks. Again, it is not on a Thursday. It is a Monday. So actually join us in 10 days. Yeah. Wow, it's going to come around quick. It is. Um... So we're looking forward to that. We have, I think, seven people registered and like another 15 people interested in going. That's more than we thought there might be when we started. Indeed. So it'll be a rowdy bunch. Um, Are we, let me ask you this, and I'm discovering the answer to this live on not television. these questions. (laughs) Are we taking questions on any subject? I think there should be some, some vague. Like umbrella, I don't know. What's the umbrella? Like, well, because because I feel like that I mean, might be like, some a barrier. They're like, I don't have any questions about the Sermon on the Mount. So you want people to ask? So I'm not going to show up. You want people to ask you about your sourdough recipe? Yes, <laughs> yes, you do. I do. I will show you my spreadsheet. Okay, bad example. Bad example. Yeah. Just about anything I'm passionate about. Yes. 
Um, We're going to spend the entire time talking about pickleball, disc golf, sourdough recipes. How about theological questions? I think that's fine, right? Red couch theology. So so are we inviting our listeners right now to not just ask questions about the previous Sunday sermon. That's oh, what my definitely. question is. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think that's like, it's open. It, so it's open up the gas tank. Bring your doozies and Alex will specifically be answering the hard questions. Huh. And if you throw us some softballs, I might contribute. We've just been discovering that Aaron goes to seminar, ser- seminary now. Yeah, I can't even say it. Apparently uh, you just discovered now. this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, the, the, Going to seminary now means you're opened up to a whole world of like fun, different ways about thinking about things. Whereas I went to seminary back in the day when oh, they yeah. were like, this is what you believe. Believe it well. Now yeah. Go. I mean, I did go to Bible college around the same that's time true, yeah, did, yeah. and also had that same experience. And you experience. went to Moody, so yeah, they that's definitely right. told you what you did, were supposed yeah. to do. Actually, my, my upper level classes, systematic one and two, was one of the more balanced professors. I had this, so I think I lucked out. I had this amazing professor, and he was kind of tongue-in-cheek with this. Uh, he was one of our ethics professors. And uh, we were writing papers in, in first year. And, and one of the guys had kind of tried to give an opinion in first year, which, again, in this period of time, you just weren't allowed to do. He quoted experts and then, like, you know, gave a vague conclusion of what the, the best expert said at the end. Uh, and and this professor had this great Scottish accent, and and I'll try and do it for everyone now. But he said, uh, he said no, nobody cares what you think. You're just a student. Uh, I want to know what experts think. When you get to third year, maybe we start thinking what you think. But but right now, I don't want to know what you think. <laughs> and it was it was just such a great put down. It just put you in your place. He was like, you know, I actually had that exact yeah. same thing happen to me <laughs> in my my uh, philosophy class. Um, my my professor kept dogging me on my papers because I was like trying to come up with original oh, thought. Oh man, nobody. Cares. When I was like, I was like, I'm not trying to come up with original thought. I'm just tr- don't. I just do, I just don't want to do research. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost certain this is not an original thought. Like, yeah, it's probably written somewhere. I'm I'm not saying that I've come up with something new. I'm pretty sure someone smarter said this and said it better. I just don't want to go read them. <laughs> Every time I have thought. And it's been a long time since I thought this way. I think I've just learned the lesson. Every time I've thought I've come up with something original, uh, it will be a matter of time before I find it in someone's work somewhere. Challenge accepted. You're going to come up with something original. I love yeah. It. Do it. Do it. I'm going to come up with a disc golf sourdough game. <laughs> I guarantee that's original. <laughs> All right, we have questions. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully the questions will rein us in. I, I hope so. But before we week... get to the question, let's give us some context. Hmm. On Sunday, uh, unlike last week when I said you preached the last message of the series. <laughs> I actually You did. actually brought the last message of the series, and we made a fun announcement. So could yeah. you give us both a summary of your message and what the announcement was? Which one you would you like first? Yes. I don't know. Okay. Uh, well... So, so the, the, the vision series we've been in um, has talked through pathways that we picked at South to, to help us live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus as a community. Um, one of those pathways was environments that feel like coming home. It's centered around almost a hospitality principle. Yeah. Another one was not just having uh, experiences, but, but looking for encounters with Jesus. And of course, with Jesus, you encounter him. He always has this beautiful next step. It's the, the principle of transformation. And, and then this week, looking at being a community our city and world would miss if we were gone. Like, that's what I love about the early church narratives. I came across this beautiful quote where, where one of the, the emperor after Constantine, the famous emperor that kind of turned Rome and made Christianity the, the official religion, and again, loads of negatives and probably some positives in that. His... his um, son or grandson i can't remember which it was wants to reclaim roman traditional religion and he actually goes off on like the either the priests or the rulers of rome he's like these christians are making us look bad they not only look after their poor they look after our poor as well he's just super mad that the christians are so good at this it's like they're they're killing us out there they're like they're so good at this um And so that that element of mission that that is you know 
I, 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 maybe I should have put his name on the quote, but Bill Hybels has a bit of a thing these days. But um, he was the one that said uh, the, the church is the only organization in history that exists for its non-members. Yeah. Um, uh, and we, we, so we kind of played with that for a while. Uh, and then as part of that, like the question I wanted to get to was, can an unhealthy church, one, can it exist for its non-members? And two, can it do it well? Can it be the, the community a city and world would miss if it's not healthy? Um, if yeah. it's a broken thing, like I had a dead tree on the stage. Yeah. Um, Which I moved right before our annual report. Just seemed like we, it was, it was yeah. the wrong message. Yeah, it's like it's Jesus like, with the withered how, tree. Like, how, how are we doing with the dead tree on stage? Yeah. And, and I also can't believe I didn't think about using Jesus' passage with the like the cursed vine as the dead tree thing. It seemed like yeah. it would come together. Yeah. But again, maybe, maybe a bit over the top. Um, so so it, it, the question of health for South is one, if you're here, like I've played with this in my mind for ages because my first experience of South was, you know, on a Sunday morning, 150, 180 people all with masks on their faces. You know, there was a time yeah. where, I mean, you and I both went through this time where we were only allowed 50 people a service. Yeah. So we did three services on a Sunday. So we were averaging maybe 130 people in the room on a Sunday with more people watching online, but but just we felt the the retraction almost of the community. And you felt it even more because you had a... 2019 experience of a growing healthy community uh that was inviting people in all yeah. those different elements um so as you join a community you're always kind of wrestling with how are people experiencing this how does their journey affect their understanding of it because i can only start in 2020 so so you kind of you, you talk to people who've been here 20 years what, what's their feel well they've been through the ups and downs they've remembered the community of 120 that's grown to 700 and whatever. Yeah, and, they, and some of them remember when it was a thousand. Uh -huh, yeah. So they've got the like the ups and the downs and they've stuck through it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you've got people that were like, they joined during the like the, 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 the 2019 peak or 2018 peak. And, and some of them left because they were like, when we were here because we liked Ryan, not because we liked South, maybe. Ryan was the former pastor. Um, and then you got people who like saw theological shifts in the community because every community that's in a good way, I would say, is is learning who it is and it's it's growing, it's developing. And so there were people that said, no, this isn't my community anymore. They left. And so there's all these people that have said either there were theological shifts that cost me some community. There was a change of leadership that cost me some community. There was COVID that cost me some community. Um, and, 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 and I think it's funny, no, funny is the wrong word. I think it's interesting. I used a quote on Sunday about trauma. Um, and I'm going to misremember the author's name now, but, but she's, oh, look at that. There we go. How about that? Yeah. Resma Menachem. Is that right? I can't quite see it. From yeah. There. Yeah. Resma, Resma Menachem. And she says that trauma is a wordless story our body tells itself about what is safe and what is a threat. And so when you think about life in a church community, Paul describes us as a body. Um, and so somewhere in amongst our body, there's this unspoken sense of like, am I still safe here? Am I still known here? Do I know who's here? Can I enter into this joyfully um, in this season of life? Yeah. And, and it's almost like, to me, it's like this, like, you remember the story of the little engine that could? Um, yeah. It's almost like this, <laughs> like, hill that we've never, in three years, even though we've added quite a few people at South, it's always felt like this hill, like, I'm never sure we've quite cleared the top of. Like um, the hill of trauma? Yeah. Yeah, like, like we're, we're, it's still like this story that lurks. So what about someone who came six months ago and they're like, trauma, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, yeah, well, it, well, 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 so they, they, they might be affected by it without knowing it. Um, you know, they might yeah. be viewed with suspicion by others because of that trauma. They might have not been able to really feel like they've attached healthily because of all those things going on. And yeah, again, I wonder whether that's just not inevitable in any community that's been around for a long time. But I think it's our job. Like, I think as, as pastors, we can really be tempted to think it's our job to grow the church. 
Uh, and in actual fact, Jesus said, I'll build my church. Um, I think our job is actually to, to try and provide health and lead the community into health as it appears to us. Yeah. So, so by way of summary, the, the portion of the message that was like um, honed in specifically on our sort of vision pathways mm-hmm. uh, was about basically being an invitational community, yeah. a community that, um, that would be, you know, missed that would be all of these sorts of things, outreach oriented, mm-hmm. looking out, looking out, looking out. Mm-hmm. And then the irony of how you pivoted that is you switched towards the subject of like, Hey, we as a church family, um, there's some undercurrents of tra- trauma yeah. that still lurk under the service. Um, and that may be preventing us from looking out well. Is that correct? And looking out well and and actually doing a job, a good job of welcoming in. So the, the parable of Jesus that I used is is this really short one where he says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Yeah. It starts off small, it grows into the biggest of garden trees and the birds of the air come and land in its branches. So I guess my, my unspoken question was, do birds land in dead trees? And maybe in... You should have spoken that out loud. No, that was great. Good uh, line. I uh, like it. Uh, and and <laughs> maybe they do in gardens, but do but when you turn that to the metaphor of the church, do, do birds land in dead trees? Um, do do people come to receive life from a tree that's that's dying in and of itself? So so, and, and I would say South is a community that desperately wants to be healthy. I just have more questions about maybe whether it is as healthy as we'd like it. To be. Yeah. And so like you, and I know midweek you had a little bit of tension around stating it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, it's maybe hard to tell a community. I'm not sure that we're that healthy. Yeah. And it's hard to say that as the pastor of that community. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a felt responsibility of, you know, if, if it's not healthy, some of that feels like it's on me. Um, yeah. And again, I can certainly, it's certainly easy to take too much of that on yourself sometimes, but um, I had a few people afterwards as I was talking through this that said, we were like turning each other uh, to each other. We were like, he's quitting, he's leaving. <laughs> you know, so it's almost like that they were expecting the takeaway to be like, it's not healthy, it's my fault, so I'm going. Uh, yeah, which which is a fascinating illustration of exactly what you're trying to say. Yes. The fact that those folks, we've said goodbye to significant leaders enough in recent years mm-hmm. that the first place, the well-worn path in their soul yeah, was he's leaving. Jo- oh my goodness, he's yeah. leaving. Like, that's not, oh, that's that's a sign of trauma, that that's the first place that our, that minds went to as you said the words. And so we've decided as a leadership team the first thing they think is, I've been here. I've heard this from the play, yeah. pulpit before. He's leaving. And so, so one of the, uh, the time elders, and it's funny how these things come back to you. I'd forgotten it for maybe a, a year or two, and I was reminded of it maybe a year or so ago. And, and I've brought it back to memory at different points then. One of the first things they said to me is, uh, at South, we have a, what was the phrasing? At South, we have this inbuilt narrative that we find a pastor that we love and a bigger church comes and steals him away. Like that w- that was verbalized when I was interviewing. Interesting. Like that, that, that so that story lurks enough. E- even like in, in people that have been around for ages of like, oh yeah, it's just a matter of time. Uh, a pastor will come and yeah, the church will grow and it will be good. And then, and then another church will say, we want you to become our pastor and, and they'll go. Yeah. Um, which, which again, it could be true or not true. And, and actually for each of those pastors could be the absolute right move. It's not critical at all. It's just an observation of uh, trauma is a wordless story. Our body tells us about what is safe and what is a threat. Okay. So, so you went straight from there to an announcement of, of, sort of an unexpected and counterintuitive thing that we're doing as a community. Talk about that. So, so 
there's there's for for as long as I've been here and for many years. I mean, you might remember the date that it switched south and had two services on a Sunday morning. Um, at one point, I think there was a time where it was a struggle to get everybody into two services, right? Or we're starting to get that way. Yeah, and we were starting, we're starting to, to talk about third service, service. Yeah. Third service. Um, and and actually, since over the last three years, we we've kept adding people. We've been growing at this you know steady, somewhere between healthy pace, um, eight to twelve percent yeah. every year since so, COVID. So you know, you get to add like you know fifty or so people a year, like, and then you're probably losing some people through death, through moving away, all those different things. So there's probably more people than than that that are actually joining the community, um, and so we're at a point where if we were one service and we've been meeting as one service for the last three weeks in the vision series, if we were one service and had been for five, 10 years as a lead team, we'd probably be at a point where we'd be saying, okay, we're going to start to think about a second service. What's our plan? Like where's the, where are the ramps to, to keep growing? Um, and, and somewhat counterintuitively, we're actually going to go from two services back to one service. Um, Yeah which is tight when everybody's there and we don't know how it's going to feel in September when we're back into full fledged, like post summer, everything flying. Like we're, we're, we're going to feel full as a community. Yeah. But I think as we talked about it, we're right on. Yeah. Right in the edge of that. Yeah. Yeah. with, With this question of like health and how you chase health and how you overcome trauma it just felt as we talked about it, like this is an opportunity that we have now that if we continue to grow at the same pace in a year, we, we may not have. And in two years, we may not have yeah. but right now. We can be one community in one space. It comes with some sacrifice. Um, but, but we can be that community together and that might be a very healing thing Yeah, for a I- people that aren't sure who's there anymore. Who's with us anymore this space of saying, no, we're together. You can see the people you're doing Sunday morning community with. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as yeah, we- I just think that the real reason that you made this move is because you enjoyed watching people bick over, bicker over the same <laughs> seats every week. <laughs> Why are you in my seat? Yeah, yeah, that's you, my it gave seat. you so much laughter yeah, in your yeah, soul yeah. that you're like, we should do this all the time. <laughs> 10 o'clock's closer to 10.45 than it is 9 o'clock. Yeah, that's my chair. Yeah. <laughs> you can have it for the worship, but I get it for the sermon. So, so, let, me, um, so let me ask maybe some of the questions um, that some folks out there might be asking. Now, I was part of... Uh, the team making this decision and stuff. So I know some of the answers. So I'm going to try and put myself in their shoes Mm -hmm. a little bit. Uh, So you made the statement that if we had been at one service all along, Mm -hmm. right about now, we would be considering having to expand. Why? Why expand? Why, why would we, why not just cap the limit? Like, yeah, that, that's, that, that, I mean, I think we've, we've actually talked about, would we ever do that? Just say there is as much room as there is. I, I think you, you, at that point, you go one of two directions. Because I, I think, again, growing churches, living things grow. Yep. Um, and so that suggests to me the fact that we're growing that means there is some life there, like, um, which, is, <laughs> which is good. Um, so, so I think we'd be saying, well, do we grow by splitting services or do we grow by planting churches? Yeah. And, and I don't know that there's a bad answer to that. Uh, I think for most people, adding a service feels the easier route. It feels the less painful route because, you know, you, you, to, to plant a church, it's not, it's not the, the, the half-hearted, lazy people that volunteer for church planting. Yeah, it's like the department leaders and the volunteer champions and all those different things. They're yeah. the ones that say, "Let's go, let's go planting a church." Yeah. So, so I, I remember listening to a guy who does a lot of church planting. I think his goal was a thousand church plants through pl- churches that plant churches that plant churches. And he said the first time they they kind of planted a church, he looked on stage at the people that were going off in this church plant. And while he was trying to look happy and excited, he was like, oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> this is a disaster. They're leaving, I mean, imagine they're leaving, the, they're yeah, imagine when they sent Barnabas and Paul away. Yeah. You're like, yeah, there's a pretty, like, yeah. but that guy writes Bible. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, we can't lose him. We can't lose yeah. him. He literally writes the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, uh, nonetheless. So, so yeah. I think 
so eventually you get to this point where you're <laughs> bursting at the seams and it is difficult to walk in as a new person. It was even as I was sounding boarding this, you know, I said to, to my wife, Laura, how do you feel about the, the fullness of the room? She said, it's hard for me to say because I know I have a seat saved next to you. Yeah. Um, but if I was walking in and didn't know that, I might feel like, oh, wow, is the space for me here? Where do I sit? How do I? So, so I yeah. think you, you realize as it gets to a certain fullness, it's harder to find a place. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like some measure of fullness feels joyful mm-hmm. and some of it feels not like non-invitational. Like but, you're yeah. like, this is a click. Mm-hmm. They are doing their thing and I'm not part of it. Yeah. Um, so to an outsider. So, so, so you have to work to yeah. counteract that. But at the same time, I, I think with our growth mindset for churches, which if we're honest, some has come from a fairly narcissistic place. There are probably some pastors there that love to talk about how many services they do or how many, you know, and, and again, yeah. there's always probably a tension there, I imagine. Um, there can be a desire to go to two services maybe too quick. And and actually, last night I was just chatting to a, a member of South who he said, it's so weird, my parents' church is actually going through moving from one service to two at the same time as our church is going from two to one. And yeah. he said, it's traumatic over there. It's this like, oh man, like we're losing people because it doesn't feel the same anymore. Yep. Um, I remember when we did that here at South, um, at least the most recent iteration of it. And I, so I'll just give you a warning because one of the things you announced sort of softly or gently mm-hmm. is if we continue to grow, like we're growing, we very well could have to go back to two services or expand of our facility or planet like we have to find some other solutions because uh it it gets to a certain level of fullness and you become less invitational less inviting less welcoming so you have one uh maybe our second pathway of like Mm -hmm. this next step sort of this formational piece of like growing and depth Mm -hmm. and all this stuff conflicting with our other pathway which is like hospitality Mm -hmm. like hey sorry go away there's no room for you and eventually you're going to get to the place where those two start to fight with each other and we're probably gonna have to go back and i will say from experience it was way more painful to Mm -hmm. break into two services than it is for us to just continue with the one yeah um so 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 i think the, the advantage that that we would have then that we don't have now or we didn't have like coming out of COVID, continuing with two services that, if we're honest, have felt half full for a long time. Yeah. Um, you would be going into it with the mindset of remember, folks, we're making room for more. Remember, this is the why, this is the why, this is the why, this is the why. Yeah. Uh, wh- whereas because we came out of COVID and just continued to do what we'd done, the, the why was really because. Why are we doing this? Because, because this is what we've done. So let me ask you. Yeah, that maybe there's some more whys too. Yeah. What? Why didn't we do this two years ago? You I, felt I mean, this I tension would, for yeah, you said yeah, almost yeah. since you got here. And we we did we you and I and Yvonne and different iterations of that team have talked about it in the past. Um, I think I think there were moments where like we were starting to see new people come in and it felt like okay if this continues like can we ride this out. Like, have we are, we, are we little engine that could metaphor again? Are we like, are we cresting the hill? Can we start to like coast down the other side now with some of the, like the, the past in rear view? Yeah. Um, so I think that the, you know, early on, like I, I came in with this kind of premise of take it, you know, cause it's a long game being a lead pastor. That's why it takes so long to hire one. Um, you, you kind of like, you come in with a year of, of, um, just, uh, orientation. Let's just feel, get to know people. Um, and then took you you about 15 minutes. (laughs) I wish. No, all of your names in 15 minutes. Yeah. And so after that year, you've got a year of, of experimentation where you, you just push and you try some new things and you, you see like where the flexibility is in the community and. And then after that, you have a year of um, of evaluation where you say, okay, this is what's kind of worked. This is feels like this is where we are. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully after all of that, you can have your year of acceleration where you say, okay, let's 
where we start burning bridges. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no? Yeah. Let's Did blow I miss it? some stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Look out for next year, folks. <laughs> so, so I think in the midst of those, like, years, you kind of like, okay, is this a rash decision? Because you, you know, like, and we touched on some of the sacrifices that come up. Um, when we think about one service, what happens with kids' ministry? Yeah. We have some great kids' ministry volunteers. And we're now asking them to, um, to miss a service, to catch up on podcast, uh, worship with kids and make that their primary worship experience. Yeah. Now, the, the payoff, if you like, or the joy of that is that in recent times with our two half full services or two three-quarters full services or occasionally full-feeling service, they've gone sometimes from having five kids in a class on in a in, in multiple grade classes one service to the next week in the same service having 20 kids and then flipping back it's hard to gauge what you're expecting so so that like that is an emotional journey uh, for, yeah. for a kids teacher now we're saying like we're, we're we're concentrating all of our kids in one area and so just imagine what it is to have like a hundred kids and leaders together worshiping in that environment like you and i both said like can we go to that service <laughs> yeah that sounds really fun um so there is this beautiful gift and payoff to that yeah but but it does require enough vision and belief that no no this is worth it um yeah. this is like this is where god has given me talents this is where god is asking me to invest my energy itself yeah uh, so so there are there are sacrifices there. there there are sacrifices for the people who say i actually love and crave an empty worship space um like i i i don't want full my personality is i want to sit at the back i want uh to feel like the space all around me um so yeah. so the, there's a sacrifice there it's it's never as simple as everybody wants this in church yeah, which is why, like, you know, if if you're wondering, like, oh, they just heard lots of positive reviews and therefore they made this decision. Um, and yes, we did hear a lot of positive reviews, but that is not the driving factor. Because no, we actually this was, it was kind of an uphill battle, at least initially in the conversation, because we value kids ministry so much mm -hmm. and we value those volunteers so much, even though we thought this might bring some significant healing for our community. Mm -hmm it was still barely worth it for yeah, us because yeah, yeah. that's how important Just, yeah. kid ministry yeah. is. We're like, yeah, but kids ministry, like over and over and over again, we're having a conversation. We're like, yeah, but it was so we're some health. We're going to help our community thrive. Well, yeah, but kids ministry volunteers are so important. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, this was yeah. with a little bit of fear and troubling. It was not like, Oh, the reviews are in and we just do, we just sort of take the least path of resistance for the, you know, it's not a sort of a democratic system of like, yeah, we've heard a bunch of yeah, folks you, love it. Yeah, you, if you overthink every decision to the point of trying to figure out if everybody else, everybody feels exactly the same, it's just, I mean, it's, what's the word when something freezes something? It's not freezes, it's a better word than that. Uh, crippled? Maybe, like maybe. it'll crippling. come back to me later. It's not like uh, it, uh, anyway, it, it, it stops you moving. Um, it's yeah. I'm going to thesaurus this later. Clearly, my yeah. mind isn't in my. <laughs> I, I'm losing my perspicacity. Um, wow. Okay. So, All right. So it was in the last place you left it. <laughs> I, I um yeah. So so I you, you always have those like oh how will this person feel how will this person feel and you actually leading a community you can't do that you have to say what's the best thing for the community yeah. Leadership isn't curating um, every single vote and then making the decision to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Leadership is is actually like uh, fervently seeking the, the mm -hmm. face of God and saying, all right, regardless of how hard this might be, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to make that decision. So um, I do want to get to our question because yeah. I think it'll be enough to to uh fill up the rest of our time yeah wow it's a good question it is it's a great question um but by way of summary i, I wanted to go back to this quote partially because i thought it was brilliant the way you set up this announcement you said 
And again, some very counterintuitive things. Hey, we want to have our eyes looking outward, our eyes looking outward, you know, be a, com- a community that would be missed if we're, mm-hmm. if we were gone. Um, so let's look inward at some trauma mm-hmm. and make a decision that seems like it's just good for us. Like yep. that felt like, wait, I'm like, if you were evaluating how your logical flow mm-hmm. of thought was progressing throughout the message, um, folks might've been like, wait, this seems mm-hmm. counterintuitive. And this quote, which we already put on the screen once, but I'm going to put it up again. Um, just by way of summary is this trauma that may it's, it's not just like leadership changes, it's COVID it's uh, lots of people leaving Mm -hmm. people, just lots of transition, but it's also a general cultural trauma of like, we really stink at relationship in the Mm -hmm. West. Like as a staff, uh, multiple over the last three years, we've won a subject that keeps coming back over and over and over and over again is Western society struggles to cultivate deep, mm. vibrant friendship, deep, vibrant, spiritual friendship. Um, how do we help our community grow in this area? People are even on staff. We're feeling like disconnected or do we have those deep friends, uh, spiritual friends, that sort of thing. Anyway, so that's a trauma. Anyway, that's the trauma, but then this is, I think, what's fascinating about this quote. Trauma is the wordless story in our body that tells itself about what is safe and what is a threat. And if we have a posture of everyone coming into our community as a threat, it's just not even a possibility to fulfill the outreach thing. Mm-hmm. Outreach is a threat when you're in trauma. Mm-hmm. Reaching out, looking out, because... Mm-hmm. That means change. That means mm-hmm. adding a second service. That means mm-hmm. uh, maybe adding a third service. That may mean mm-hmm. a ton of things. Like outreach is by its nature change. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it can be very threatening. And so we have to heal the trauma almost as a prerequisite mm-hmm. to that. So anyway, there's my, I, mm-hmm. I thought it was masterful, I man. Yeah. I loved it. Thank you. There's Thank my you. two, my three, two three minute. If only you'd have said the birds land on dying trees, that would have been, that would have sealed Yeah, ah, that would have been awesome. Anyway, um, so our question came uh, in, and let's see if we pull it up. I got to get this quote off of the screen. I love how you make all the things just flow together. Just... Yeah, where, oh, there it is. All right, the question is, I agree that the church exists both for its members and for its non-members. I appreciate the conversation on health. However, (laughs) I experience uh, dissonance when wrestling with how true that is for South. Mm. Looking at our organizational structure, our budgeting, Mm. our programming, and our events, and our volunteering, we appear to skew heavily towards serving our members, Mm -hmm. but perhaps... Uh, perhaps that's our calling. Would you put a number on what a healthy expression of this duality is for South? Is it supposed to be 50, 50 or 100, 100%? If, if yes, where do you think South is at and why, how do we move towards health in both areas? Mm. Um, So maybe to put this in my own words, do we want to be 50% outreach, 50% in cultivation inwardly mm-hmm. focused what like what's the right balance yeah where are we at currently and what's the dream yeah i love that i love that so it's it's there has been a time i believe in south's history where the budget was 50 percent, 50 percent. it was close to yeah 50 percent went on outreach or missions and 50 percent was was spent on the working of the community church um could we get back to that should we get back to that is a great question um it it, so so there's the faith answer that says i love that dream there's the challenging answer of like the or the pragmatic answer which always feels a little dangerous in church like oh wow like i'd love to see us get to 20 percent first um so so I, i i wonder sometimes when we think about like vision whether we what's the health in saying something that feels in unreachable to to 50% of people in the room, 80% of people in the room. And yet we've talked about times like how many people believed Kennedy when he said, we're going to the moon. Like 
probably not very many, but he was. Uh, yeah. the, the response was like, "Well, that sounds amazing. We should do that." Yeah. Um, so, like, our goal has been incremental. In, incremental at the moment. We said, "What if we raised the percentage by a percent every year for our outreach budget? Let's just nudge it another percent. Let's nudge it another percent. Let's nudge it another percent." So, I think uh, this year we were at twelve percent. Um, like, what happens if next year we can get to thirteen? Like, that's the long game. Yeah. And and in my mind, you just keep going. You just you don't stop. Yeah. Uh, but I do agree that at the moment it definitely skews this community, this people. And I wonder if some of that isn't just like, is that not the product of the squeaky wheel gets the grease? Like, you can almost like, no one outside is saying vote for us. No one outside this community is saying, hey, South, why are you sending more money this way? Uh, I don't know. The Except budget, for some missionaries, know. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah uh, but, but for the most part, like, we're not going to get like a huge amount of people like in our community, outside our church community saying, yeah, where, where's all the stuff we need, Sal? Um, but internally, we might have that dialogue. Like, oh, we'd love to see like a second person in kids ministry on staff or a second person. Like, and that, that culture can be easy to, to breed. We actually had this conversation around uh, men's ministry recently. Um, there was a conversation briefly around, can we find a staff person for men's ministry? Yeah. Uh, and my response there was, was really like, we got to get over this idea that everything gets staffed to make it happen. Like there was a time where we used to start it and someone was passionate about it and it was volunteer run. And maybe we got to a point where we uh, said, arguably oh, some of the best things we do. Yeah, by absolutely. The way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we got to a point where we said, Oh my goodness, this can't work without someone on staff like who's taking care of it now it's just too big but there's been other things that have continued to thrive without a staff person yeah um and so like we've got to get over the idea that the way you show you care about it or the way you make it happen is there's a staff hire um there's got to be more stuff that's championed by volunteers so so i think to me like i think 50 50 is a great dream like, I'd love to see us hit 20 in the next few years. Well, so I have my questions about 50-50. Yeah, that's fair. And here's why. You actually used a quote. I think it was this Sunday. If not, it was the it was in this series. You used a quote from Dallas Willard. That was this weekend. That yeah. I, I think is a subtle pushback on a 50-50. And I, again, what's the content of the 50? Is it budgeting? Is mm-hmm. it staffing is it organizational structure which are the things mentioned in this Mm -hmm. question so depends on the subject matter uh, which category you're talking about but and the quote goes like this the church is for formation Mm -hmm. formation is for evangelism Mm -hmm. uh yeah that's not scripture that's dallas willard Mm -hmm. which is pretty darn close (laughs) i'm just joking um but that's Dallas Willard's opinion about the role of the of God's mm-hmm. church in the world. Yeah. In other words, uh, and he, and uh, if I am imagining how he might make the argument that that's the case, he might turn to a passage like, uh, you know, what a pastor is supposed to be doing, training people up for the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. In other words, a pastor or a church the organizational side of the church is supposed to be investing in its members. Mm-hmm. And then its members are supposed to then be the natural outflowing of that mm-hmm. is the outreach. Yeah. And I, and I think that like, to me, I think you're right. The, the question is in, in what area it might be that staffing is 90% community orientated and 10% outside orientated. But it might be that on a whole budget level, 50% of the inflow to the community is going out to other things that aren't South things. Yes. And I think sometimes it's our scarcity mindset in churches that tells us we can't get there. I, I, I got a chance to, to hang out in a small group thing with, with a pastor called David Platt a bunch of years ago. And, and actually, theologically, we have a bunch of dif- disagreements. Like We're not yeah. particularly on the same page for a lot of those things. But but what amazed me about him as a person was some of the ways that he demanded his church practice generosity. So he said at one point in their year, they someone gave them $500,000 on top of their budget 
they'd met budget and $500,000 turned up. And the elders were very much of a mindset, let's put that aside for a rainy day. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I don't think Jesus would do that. Um, and so he said, like, let's go find the best way to give $500,000 away. Um, and so they did some research and a guy knew a guy at World Vision, called him and said, you know, what would you do with 500000 And the guy said, well, we're trying to plant churches and orphanages in India right now. We wanted, we got the budgets for twenty one. But it's going to cost us twenty five thousand per site, and so he came back with this idea, and and they looked at it and said, "Wow, to do that's going to cost us five hundred and twenty five thousand dollars." And so he said, "I got to call the guy at World Vision and said, we 'We'll take India for half a million.'" Um, like you said, it was so fun to be able to do that. Yeah, and they actually left themselves with having to find another twenty five thousand yeah. dollars instead. Of like they were under budget. Having, they were yeah, over yeah, budget. yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think is that like for every church maybe not like maybe that's too terrifying for lots of churches um but i think somewhere like that generosity scarcity thing it plays on our minds yeah um our call is to be generous we also live in this sense of scarcity yeah um oh what happens when this generation of great givers stops giving which like, is a sign of trauma by yeah, the way yeah, yeah anyway yeah carry on. i think you're absolutely right yeah um so so i think like a great dream for South would be to give away 50% of what comes through the door to other things. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's probably, you're probably right. I don't know. The it, staff so speaking of like monetarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, the, the most realistic way of getting to that point is probably to get to 20% first. Yeah. Um, rather sense. than say next year, we're going to do 50%. Well, let me, let me ask you, you use the quote, I think you used it in like to support something slightly different, like, or, um, adjacent to Mm -hmm. that subject. But do you agree with Dallas Willard? Because there's debates, like not everyone agrees with that. Yeah. Uh, The church is for evangelism. Would some might say, no, the church exists to fulfill the great commission, which is clearly evangelistic. Um, boom, like, Uh, well, that's end of story as well. Right. I that's mean, what i'm they, saying we even talked about that on sunday some like people it's been, it's been a debate yeah some people uh, are would would strongly and joyfully and with passion and zeal make that case i i yeah i i i used it to to illustrate the point actually of being a healthy community and yeah. uh that being actually actually leading us to fulfill pathway three which was to be a community the city and world would miss if it were gone I think we've probably overemphasized a distinction in Christian life between the I'm growing discipleship phase and I'm reaching the world phase. And I actually think some of the people that do that best, uh, the, the second thing, do it straight away. You know, you have someone who has an experience of Jesus, an encounter with Jesus that leads to the next steps, and they suddenly are telling everybody. It's the woman at the well written into modern times. Yeah. Um, so so i think i don't always know that it's discipleship or or long-term discipleship if our reading of that is like there's this period of being discipled before you go do that that's probably not healthy um but but i do think like the the there is i'm comfortable with the church placing its people resources in helping people grow to be like jesus and, and reminding them that actually, you know, it's them that reaches their neighbors. So we shouldn't have an outreach pastor. Well, that's the thing. I think I'd be comfortable with that. Like, that's where I said, with staffing, I'd be comfortable with that 90-10 split or that 80-20 split. Um, and then okay. there, there probably is someone who potentially who's nurturing the different partnerships that we have in the community, the different ways that we do that. But I also think that the, the church in America has become very divided on, is there a distinction or an overlap between the term outreach and the term evangelism you know so outreach has become doing good and evangelism social justice versus yeah yeah becoming uh, telling people about jesus evangelism yeah um and it feels like they actually are more deeply tied than we like to admit so so we've we've kind of like well, that opens up a whole nother can of words. Really I have does. 35 yeah, questions totally. yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, we at South, let's just 
operate from the function so the conversation can continue that we would like to hold both of those in tension um here yeah at south um we're not but, it, but actually to but that'd be a great question for a future episode if you'd like to have a deep dive into where what percentage of our energy should go towards social justice versus uh, outreach or but evangelism. I, I, w- I would be intrigued to like dream about what a budget of 50 50 looked at south right now that means our budget for next year would need to be like i don't know about three million dollars yeah um oh yeah there we go let's do that <laughs> yeah but I'd, I'd, I'd love to be i'd like yeah, no i think the the skeptic uh include in who's watching this and maybe in my own heart is if three million dollars came in would we not expand our portion of that budget oh absolutely yeah and, and i think re- really the, <laughs> the the fascinating thing in in the conversation really is a discipleship question that you mentioned if we as a church genuinely said every single one of us that comes here is going to commit to giving 10% of our income to the pool because we trust the church to decide where that 50% goes, Mm -hmm. then it can work. Yeah. What we tend, I would suggest we live in now is we live in an individualistic society that says, I'm going to decide where my money goes. Some of it will go to the church. And the rest of it will go here or here or here or here or here. So so I think like to get there, you have to lean heavily into this like, yeah, well, trust us with the money, which I think is is hard for us to believe. Um, I I just think, again, whether it's a trauma thing or not, um, I think it's, it's, yeah, we like that sense of like, yeah, I want to know where it's going. And I want to decide if it's water that I'm passionate about or anti-slavery that I'm passionate about or this that I'm passionate about. And, and I'm going to divvy that up on an individual level. And I might take 10% of my income and give it away, but I give 5% to South and 5% or my church home. And I give 5% to other places that I've decided are valuable. Yeah. I think the model of 50-50 probably only works if you've got a whole community of people that says 10% of my income goes to the church and I'm going to trust you to do with it what's right. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I think... I th- I, I, I think we're we're a long way from that. I, I don't even know if that's what we're really chasing after. <laughs> I don't know that American society as a whole is well wired for that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that there's roots be, that go f- that are so saturated that it's not just American society. It's it's the entire modern and then postmodern skepticism for organizational anything. Yes, that is like hardwired, like anything that's overly organized, we have some skepticism around. And we've um, seen abuse. We've seen churches that are so for very good reasons. Like, so like, it's, it's not that we have no evidence that yeah. organizations are not very good at things. There's tons of evidence. Yeah, so it's, it's like in our <laughs> minds, we're like, Oh man, yeah. if we give 10% of our income one, we've lost our individual control. Mm-hmm. That's a bit terrifying Two, like, how do we know somewhere like are Alex and Aaron taking like, 300 grand a year salaries like is that like what we're doing now like where's where's the the control piece is so important to us and i'd say that's true of me as well and i get some control like i have that tension yeah um i have these things that i'm you know passionate about so i I think yeah we, we uh how you get there would be would be an intriguing question to me that's probably more so so your answer to the second part of the question of like what Oh, well, you answered the second part of the question, which is more like, what what do you think a healthy destination would look like, which would be um, to be really like wooden about it. You said it seems like a dream to get to 50-50 in the financial category, mm-hmm. but maybe 90-10 yeah, in the it, yeah, manpower think, so, or yeah. staffing category. And I think the 50, again, the caveat to the 50-50 is do i feel it's healthy for south and and does my own ethics really allow me to chase into telling a whole community of people if you're not giving 10 percent of your income here you're missing the boat which is never something i've said and and i don't know i don't think it's something i believe either like i'm, I'm not I, I don't read the new testament as saying 10 percent is a legal thing that you have to do um yeah in fact, I, in fact if anything i think there's there's probably some people in the community that 
if they were asked God what they're supposed to give, it's probably a lot higher than 10%. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but again, not particularly to South, but just out of their income to other things. Yeah. Um, so, so I, so, so the second part of the question is um, the one you sort of already dealt with. Where do you think we are? Is it, it currently hmm. as far as health, I know you can just give some numbers. You just said 12% yeah. out the door and uh, the rest inwardly. Now, inwardly, you know, again, so that's on the financial side. But where do you think we are currently in far as, as far as health is and how we are structured organizationally, meaning leadership structure, mm-hmm. org structure, our philosophy, where we ask people to volunteer, uh budget structure programmings that programming that we offer Mm. the events that we offer Mm. where do you think we're at as far as health in this balance between out and in yeah and i would say where i would say this health is the thing that we've talked about time and time again it's the scarcity mindset of like we're just about breaking even we're just about getting enough volunteers so so like mm. so to me the lack of health is like until you start to shape the community around like serving is just what we do here we find ways to serve now now that's a deeply frustrating question like how you deal with like um patrick lencioni the the leadership guy talks about this he's been involved he's a catholic very involved in his local church and he went to his local church and said i'd love to be involved this is what i'm good at and of course, he's like the leadership guru. Like everybody uses him, like churches all over the world, like yeah. mega churches, like huge corporations. And they're like, yeah, we need someone to put out chairs on Sunday morning. And he's like, he's like wrestling with, he said, with, well, I could put out chairs, but is that really what they need from me? Um, and of course, like it's probably not what they need from him. But right now, the guy in charge can't see that because he's desperate for someone to put out chairs on Sunday morning. Like that his energy has been sucked by a really mundane thing that isn't getting done because nobody's willing to say I can own that piece. Um, yeah. And I think so. So I think when churches get into dishealth, it's really hard for them to, to be dreamy about, Oh, imagine a world where like 50% of our volunteers are orientated around serving in the community or reaching the people in their neighborhood that don't know Jesus. When we're like, oh man, like 40% of people that were supposed to do kids ministry this week canceled. Yeah. And now I'm calling around the other 40%, the other volunteers asking them to cover things like that. Like that, that's what I think happens when you've got too small a number of people holding too much of the weight of responsibility. Yeah. I remember some wisdom that um, the the now president of World Venture gave me when I first came on staff here. I was at the time I was uh, full time there and mm-hmm. part time here, um, and I was you know again I was working at a mission agency, forty hours a week. I'm sixty hours a week. I'm spending my mental energy thinking yeah. about outreach, 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 missions, 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 global, global, global. And so I come on staff at a local church, and of course, I'm obviously going to carry all of that energy <laughs> in. And I kept wrestling with, okay, they're not doing enough outreach, they're not engaged enough missionally, whatever. And how do I, how do I spark this? And then the president of a mission agency, uh, who was a mentor of mine, he, he, I asked him, like, you know, how do I move the needle to get them to to focus outwardly? And he actually said. He said, everything, you know, he'd been mentoring me through the beginning portions of about two years of working part-time or a year and a half of working part-time. He said, from everything I've heard you describe this church, it sounds like a church that is healing. It sounds like a church that is establishing new new hope, new dreams, mm-hmm. new momentum. He says, be patient. Yeah. The outreach is an overflow of a healthy church that is like it's it's outreach is this margin overflow mm-hmm. of all things volunteering finances mm-hmm. vision mm-hmm. um structure strategy and those sorts of things and so he said 
it sounds to me like you guys are killing it as far as growing in the healthy things that you should be growing. Like mm-hmm. we were underwater when I started financially. Mm-hmm. We were underwater staffing wise. We were underwater mm-hmm. like in so many categories. He says, just be patient. Yeah. It sounds like your leadership is on as going forward uh, in those sorts of different areas. Um, and and I, I, that's not the answer I expected from mm-hmm. him. I thought president of a mission agency, he yeah. should be like, yeah, those stupid church people, they yeah, never signed up. For they never team. focus on global missions enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I've been on staff for a while, maybe I am those stupid people. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to, to get a cop out, but I do think that there is so much truth. And if you use the illustration of like parenting, if your kids are starving, mm-hmm. Should you feed everyone's kids in the neighborhood prior to your kids? And the answer is maybe Mm. in a God's economy, because there's maybe an infinite amount of bread that keeps getting Mm -hmm. multiplied because of the way that Jesus works. And that's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Why do we have to do either or? Mm. But um, for a parent's heart, you sort of say, okay, uh, if we can get some healthy, established children, we can just multiply our output mm-hmm. to reach those outside. Maybe that's a cop out. I don't know what you think. The birds land in dying trees. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, you should preach a sermon about that. If only you missed your chance. <laughs> when will you ever get a chance to preach again? I'm going to write a book called The Birds Land in Dying Trees. <laughs> <laughs> they love dying trees. There's no leaves to get in the way. <laughs> Unless they like shelter. <laughs> True. Yeah. I'm just joking. All right. Well, anything else you want to no, cover? We're actually at an hour as well. And someone told me the other day, oh, I love listening to your podcast, except when it's too long. Really? Yeah. Well, I... I don't believe you because we're right at an hour exactly on the nose and it's going to go over because i can't find this top button ever (laughs) bye guys bye